Welcome to Between Two Barrels, a twice-weekly podcast recorded at Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Between Two Barrels is a show that highlights legends of all shapes and sizes from across the state of Tennessee. From the queen of country Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman. From our head distiller to our legendary staff and products. On this show, you will learn some terms of the alcohol industry, as well as learn some awesome recipes for food and cocktails alike. Join us as we journey through the volunteer state to bring you stories of legends that involve the beautiful state of Tennessee, from country music as well as rock and roll royalty, cryptids, distillery origins, carbonated beverage beginnings, and everything in between. This show truly highlights what makes a legend a Tennessee legend. What's up, Legends? Welcome back to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast. I'm your host, Opie, and joined by our manager and co-host, B-Lo. What is up, B? Not a whole lot, man. Um, Hopefully, uh, if you have not by this point, you have decided to become a Patreon member because the Patreon content is becoming some very, very good stuff. Mm. We're definitely doing the deeper dives. We're having more in-depth conversations before we get into the meat and potatoes, as it were, of our uh, main episode or main topic for that specific episode. Things are going good. Um, We are in recording our second show, first actual day of recording. We're just Mm -hmm. getting multiple shows recorded. Being back in the studio since since all of the, since Snowmageddon 2024 Mm -hmm. version 1.0 as it stands right now, um, because as looking at the weather, it may turn out that in the month of February, we may get another dumping, as it were. And this time, at least according to what the air quote professionals are saying, uh, <laughs> is that uh, almost the entire country, albeit the parts of California, Texas, uh, Louisiana, and getting into the areas. you know southeastern states... Um, are not going to, of course, get yeah. it. But beyond that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely waiting, seeing if any of that's going to happen. But thankfully, thankfully, uh, able to get out of the house mm. over the last couple of days and, and actually get back in studio to bring you guys some of the the best audio quality. may not be the best <laughs> quality content in, in your perspective, but certainly the best audio quality that we can bring to you right now. Last episode, we talked about uh, the Grand Ole Opry, its history, what makes it a legend, some of the people involved, some of the the uh, evolution of it. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. We learned a lot in the making of that episode, so that's always good, too, not just educating others, but we are also educating ourselves mm-hmm. about the state that we call home currently. Today's episode, I did, was literally last month ago. When I found out that this was created in Tennessee. Yes. It was last month, years old. I was December of 2023 years old when I found out that this certain insulation-looking confection... <laughs> it's a good way to put it. <laughs> ...was created in the volunteer state. 
And but then at the same time, I look at it and I go, makes sense. Right, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. So what are we talking about today? During the during the time frame and and certain things that were going on and yeah. stuff like that, it's yeah, it's not difficult to see how a lot of things. Tennessee yeah. being the the centralized hub for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely excited to talk about it. But before we get into today's topic, mm-hmm. uh, quick reminder: if you haven't already, make sure you follow our sponsor, Tennessee Legend Distillery. On if you want to just do your local uh, Sevier County, Cookville, Nashville, Tennessee Legend Distillery Facebook page or Instagram page, you're more than welcome to. But you might as well go ahead and just follow, like, and follow all of them because that is the best way to keep up with any new information, new product releases. Store closings. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Uh, as of late, store closings. Uh, if we're opening late, closing early, anything like that. Because we are, as they are saying, supposed to be getting some more inclement weather. Uh, the best way, of course, to keep up with all of that stuff is to follow us on the socials. Tennessee Legend Distillery on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to keep up more with the stuff that we're doing over here at Studio 66, you can follow us. Same thing, Facebook, Instagram, Studio 66. Or email us or keep up with us on YouTube tldtube23 at gmail.com or opie let them know how they can find us on youtube yes uh you can go to the tennessee legend distillery youtube page all of our episodes that we post also upload to our youtube there's uh no video as of yet but we are working on getting the the uh instruments in studio that will bring video production to the studio to where you will then be able to watch the podcasts uh, and with that also comes new Patreon content. Patrons uh, are going to be able to see behind-the-scenes video stuff and uncut video uh, footage of the podcast, not just audio. So definitely uh, consider becoming a Patreon member because you do hear before before the official cut and after the official cut, you'll hear all the deeper dives, the ramblings, the conversations, the bloopers, uh, stuff like that. So tldstudio66.com. Scroll over to support, and that will tell you how to become a patron. Like he said, we are open regular hours in Sevier County, and Cookville and Nashville are back to being open. So if you are within listening to this, if you're in driving distance, get on into Tennessee Legend Distillery, get you some samples, and get you some of our products, including our newest one with our partners at Anthem, the Black Crow Dark Coffee Vodka. The Crow, 90s pop culture icon, cult following, yeah icon but uh for most 90 kids everyone knew the 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 crow so uh get in and check that out uh other than that speaking of sweet deliciousness well i was about to say um in referencing to pop culture i'm gonna say four words and you've experienced both of these so as someone who has experienced both of these or both versions of this i'm gonna say these four words and the first one that pops into your mind, I want you to let me know. Spin me right round. Baby. No, I mean, but yeah. are you going with Culture Club or are you going with Flow Rider? Oh, no. Mine's Culture Club. Okay. All right. All so you're way. going back to the original yeah, the, Boy the, George Culture the Club. Uh, spin me yeah. right round. Okay. That's why I was asking as yeah. far as that. Um, and that actually is the title of this episode. If you have not guessed it yet, Opie has been making reference to this 
uh, uh, insulation-looking confection. Uh, I have given the reference of spinning around. Of course, we are talking about the origins of cotton candy. Cotton candy, also known as candy floss or fairy floss, is a spun sugar confection that resembles cotton. It usually contains small amounts of flavoring or food coloring. Fairly standard. I've seen mostly in my time blue and red. Yes. And to begin with, other than NyQuil, it was one of the few things that tasted like blue or red. Nice reference. All right. If you could could actually put a taste (laughs) to colors. Um, But, yeah, uh, since a multitude of flavors, multitude of colors, uh, you can actually buy pre-mixed banana, pina colada, uh, blue raspberry, cherry, strawberry, whatever. Like, there's almost an endless array of different flavors and color combinations that you can get. We don't know if there's a shiitake mushroom yet. (laughs) (laughs) You would be surprised, sir. Uh, those are crazy Asians uh, make all kinds of stuff, um, which, believe it or not, some of the best confectionery art comes from Asia. Okay. And much like most things, Asians have taken a a concept, an idea, an invention from elsewhere in the country or elsewhere in the world and have just improved upon it. Yeah. Have you seen some of the cotton candy creations that have been made in s- by some of these street vendors? No. In like Japan or China and stuff like that? I invite everyone listening, you included, Opie, okay. to go look at uh, cotton candy street vendors, specifically in like Japan and stuff like that. They're making characters. Like they have got it down to an art to where they know exactly how much of each color to pour into the machine at the right times and can build the layers on a stick or whatever of cotton candy and then mold it and shape it into flowers or like Mario characters and stuff like that. It's insane. That is crazy. But definitely go look that up. But for the main basic principle... It is made by heating and liquefying sugar and spinning it centrifugally through minute holes, causing it to rapidly cool and re-solidify into fine strands. That's what she said. (laughs) Um, Being in theater, have you ever had to cobweb something? Yeah. Do you know what I mean by cobwebbing something? Yes. Using the hot glue gun. Yeah with an air compressor nozzle attached to it and you just let the the glob of glue come out the end of it and that air spraying against it creates what looks like spider web. Yeah. Basically the exact same thing. It's just that the sugar is melting down, sugar as opposed to the glue stick, and instead of an air blowing it out and creating these random hardly able to be controlled strands of glue to mimic spider web. This just spins around in a circle and there is a bowl with netting to be able to catch this and keep more form to it until someone either pulls out and wraps it around and puts it into a bag or 
yes, they wind up taking the stick or the cone and rolling it around inside the bowl that way to be able to collect it. We also had to clean a few cotton candy machines. Oh, uh, burnouts, uh, which the term burning out, uh, you did not want to leave any kind of sugar inside the uh, spinning head reservoir because if you did, it would just create all kinds of mess. So what you would do... Not brulee. (laughs) Yeah. So what you would do is you would typically uh, um, put something over the Mm -hmm. air intake hole, which is also where you would pour the sugar in Mm -hmm. and basically that would just force anything that were remaining inside of the the spinning head to get burnt off and make sure and put all of that out so that way you wouldn't have any gumming up or anything in between those holes those minute holes um, that it's referencing I have had to go to the extent of replacing the heating elements inside of the cotton candy machines. Do you want to know what the heating element is? What's heating this stuff up? Yes. How those minute holes are created to allow this to go through? Is it just a little coil and a kind of like a car cigarette lighter? You're kind of close. Kind of close. There are leads um, that connect to either end. But I want you to think of a spring. You know, a regular spring. A coil spring. Fully round, but you've got all those bands pushed together. used to take out of your pen in school. Yeah, okay, yeah. Alright, so thinking about it that way, but the space in between each coil is less than paper thin. Like, there's a space there. But it's less than paper thin. Yeah. Okay. Because it's turning into this fine strand as it's spinning around. It's like two foot long, but it coils around in a circle into that spinning head. But not only is it not round completely, it's more of a rectangular shape. Okay. So there's, there's a gap between one side of the coil and the other as it coils around for the spring. But instead of it being round, it looks, and I know that you guys aren't going to be able to see this um, at home or whatnot. But we're going to have... But I'm, just for visual representation, uh, so I can show Opie here, uh, the spring coil is shaped more like that. Okay. But then it wraps around... In a circle, so it, so it kind of looks something like that. Square cylindric, yeah. Look, but it, it's kind of like the beginnings of the arc reactor. Yeah. Okay. There you yeah. go. There's a good visual reference. It looks kind of like something the, similar the cave to that. version of Tony's arc reactor that he made. It, very, very similar. Okay. Very similar. Wow. So yeah. And that's heating it all up. You pour the sugar granules. Okay. And we're going to get into this later. It has to be a specific type or size of sugar granule. If it's too small, it won't work. If it's too big, it won't work. There is a specific granule size that you have to get to be able to make cotton, cotton candy. candy. Um, but it goes down into that. It starts spinning. Those coils, you've got usually a, a, a rheostat, a, a, a knob to be able to turn to a certain speed and or temperature, amount of electricity that's being sent through the coil. 
and that is what determines the speed of the output uh volume and stuff like that of the cotton candy that's going out some people would put just the raw sugar in there and then drop food coloring in there to get the color of the sugar one of the things that we did in the theater was we had the sugar but we also had the a powder flavoring or whatever it would be uh think of it almost like um toner okay like if you've ever opened up a powder toner yeah you, it's kind of like that you would take a, a a half of a teaspoon and that half a teaspoon would color a, a gallons of a five pound bag of sugar mm. and what we would have to do is put the sugar into a container put that teaspoon half teaspoon or whatever of that color in there and then just shake it just shake it all up until you opened it up and it gave you the pink blue yellow whatever sugar to be able to pour into the machine i got my first experience doing all this at dollywood okay uh there were a couple of the actual concession stands on park uh, the train depot at Dollywood used to have a concession stand yes, inside it of it. Yes, it did. One of the things that I first did working on park was making cotton candy for other parts of the park from the cotton candy machine inside the train depot. The Midway concession stand Do down you know near the country fair you know what this makes in Dollywood. Think of and it's crazy. Same way. Is how many times we've brought this up, and I can tell you that until we met as co-workers at the Smoky Mountain Opry, how many times when I was a child and growing up that you probably walked past me or helped me with something at Dollywood? Good and potential. We and we didn't know each other. Oh, yeah, good potential. Because Especially, like, I remember the concession stand at the... Yeah, at the I, was, I was between uh, 14 and 16 yeah. during the time and that I worked at Dollywood. Five, six years older than me. Yeah. So yeah, they were probably. So you could have been like nine, ten-year-old yeah. Tyler coming yeah. in and getting cotton candy. Getting from cotton spots. candy from yeah. We could have easily been with. Oh, my favorite and probably the spot that I was put at the most to work at at Dollywood during my time there. As you were coming up the hill. There's the train tracks going over to your right was uh, the village, and you went back down after you got into the village, and that dumped you off into Country Fair. Mm-hmm. But that's where the uh, the train track split was on that one side of the park. Mm-hmm. So you had the, the train depot here, and as it came, like it's going back toward the entrance of the park, mm-hmm. you had the cave that was the, the, mine, oh, the cave mine cave to go into. Well, on the other side of those tracks, which is now like the uh, uh, first aid station and yeah. stuff like that building, like the park security building and yeah. stuff, there was a little lemonade stand, a fresh squeeze or frozen lemonade stand yes. that sat right there. Yes. Um, and the train tracks came right behind that little stand. And one of the things that I hated the most is the fact that Every time the train was making its return trip, Soot and shit would probably everything, oh. the whistle, everything as it's coming by, back behind, I would literally have to tell everybody for the next like two minutes, <laughs> however long it took for the train to pass by, 
I can't uh, like you'd hear. All right, I've got like thirty seconds. I can get whatever. After that, guys, you're gonna have to give me until the train goes by because I'm not gonna be able to hear anything. So just bear with me. And How then many most of the time, still didn't listen to that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> people walk up and <laughs> just you're just like, and I'm just I can't hear you, bro. I, just, <laughs> I can't. As like, you might want to do this yourself. Like, exactly. I can't, you know, earmuff yourself because you're going to wind up with, with some major hearing loss. But, yeah, uh, one of the other places that I, I worked there on park and one of my favorite uh, things to kill time during the summertime was um, since I worked with sweet stuff and sugar, mm-hmm. um, of course, insects, namely uh, flying insects, namely stinging flying insects were uh, constantly drawn to that area. So we used to have these, and I'm sure they still have them. We always referred to them as chick towels, but it was a thin cotton towel that we used for cleanup and stuff like that at any point in time. I come from a family of people who like to towel pop. (gasps) Yes. Uh, Especially wet towel pops still have scars to this day from war wounds received from wet towel pops. I honed a lot of my skills in towel popping during the summers of working there. And I would count and keep up with the number of yellow jackets and wasps and hornets. I do remember one time that I killed watching you hit a fly once. Oh, doing the, the tail pop you just slowly, or towel pop? You slowly were winding it because you didn't want to draw attention to yourself because yeah. it would fly off. Yeah. And then I just saw it like, I remember Greg, rest in peace, went, watch this. And you just went, yak. And I was, what the? The, <laughs> the fly <laughs> like, just, <laughs> just dropped. Yeah. And I was like, that's Miyagi level stuff right there. And I remember that. So you got practice with yellow jackets who deserve it way more than flies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, with something that could potentially harm me, especially yellow jackets with the full hive mentality mm. and the release of pheromones, if any of them were to ever popped me at any point in time, a hundred of their angriest friends would have been joining at any given point in time. So yeah, I was I was honing my towel popping <laughs> skills, uh, uh, attacking stinging pests yeah. uh, uh. that were trying to get a sugary treat. I did not... I will repeat this. I absolutely did not at any point in time kill a honeybee. No. I let those. them do their thing. You a pollinator a pollinator was I'll fine. Over here. We'll bo- we but, won't bother each other. But but the stinging ones? But nope. the, the a-holes nope, 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 nope. wings, we, we won't We, we won't are not going to tolerate <laughs> any of that crap. Looking to satisfy your sweet tooth while visiting the Smoky Mountains? Check out Adina's Sweet Shop, a treasure cottage of baked goods nestled in the heart of the Smokies in Gatlinburg. They create the most delectable homemade cupcakes, chocolates, pastries, pies, and so much more, including over 20 flavors of the best ice cream you've ever had. And don't forget to check out their selection of boozy favorites as well. Locals and visitors alike have raved about Adina's desserts, And once you've tried them, so will you. At Adina's Sweet Shop, there is truly something for everyone. Just minutes from Dollywood or the mountains, you can find them at 170 Glades Road in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or online at adinasweetshop.com. And tell her you heard about them from Tennessee Legend Distillery. But getting back to 
cotton candy. Yes. Uh, it is made and sold globally. In the UK, it's still referred to as candy floss. Also in Ireland, India, and New Zealand. In Sri Lanka and South Africa, it is still... Uh, sorry. Uh, in those places as well, it's still known as candy floss. In Australia, it's known as fairy floss. One of its original names. So small that... Uh mythical fairy could floss your teeth. Right. In France, it's referred to as daddy's beard. I don't like that. Girl's hair in the United Arab Emirates, uh, in Saudi Arabia as well, and in Egypt, referred to as girl's yarn. Now, some similar uh, confections include Korean's kul tare and in Iranian pashmak. Pashmak. I don't, I don't like the term. An entire generation younger than me ruined the word "daddy" for me. Yeah. So, don't like "daddy's beard" as, as a name for as a name candy. for cotton candy. I wonder if that's something because remember during some of the um, Christmas episodes we were talking about the the one character in Russia. Um, who had the weird daughter, weird name daughter, mm-hmm. and they were responsible for delivering. I wonder if that's kind of a a winter time and name specifically. It might be. I mean, because it is France, just yeah. in France. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's wild. I don't know. Now, several sources actually track the origin of cotton candy to a form of spun sugar found in Europe as early as the 19th century. And at that time, spun sugar was an expensive, labor-intensive endeavor and was not generally available to the average person. So We've it was seen like... spun sugar in old movies. Yeah. They also used to put it with their uh, spun sugar before before becoming used uh, the harder sugar cubes that, you know, you give horses. Yeah. But back in the day, spun sugar would like... Um, you'd put it on a spoon over your absinthe or whatever... Yeah. And melt it. Yes. And then, you know, spun sugar became harder sugar. Yes. Because that was cheaper to to use. But, yeah, I have seen an an older movie. I can't remember what it was, where a guy had spun sugar and he was using to sweeten his absinthe or something like that. Some other. Yeah. Others suggest versions of spun sugar originated in Italy as early as the 15th century. However... Machine-spun cotton candy was invented in 1897 by confectioner John C. Wharton and his accomplice William Morrison, who was a dentist. (gasps) Go ahead, say it. Willy Wonka? No. (laughs) No, however, it could be a conspiracy to try to get more people into the dentist. No, by having write your teeth, a write your teeth out. confectionery treat. If I create it, it's, it's, a, it's like I'm creating the thing. That's Somebody who shows an M80 up a bullfrog's butt winds up blowing up, brings it to you. You win twice. That's good yeah, business, brother. That's good business, brother. You want to be a veterinarian and own a fireworks store? But yeah, a situation maybe to where the dentist wanted to get some more people coming in, so the best way to do it, offer kids who are a lot more impressionable Sugary treats, and then... Pure freaking sugar. Yeah. Wow. But it was first introduced to a wide audience at the 1904 World's Fair, the Knoxville World Fair, 1904, 
as Fairy Floss with great success selling 68,655 boxes at 25 cents a piece. He didn't have to do anything the rest of the year. $8.14 today per box. 25 cents God, inflation in 1904 to $8.14 and cents today. Over 100 years we've... Whoa. On September 6, 1905, Albert D. Robinson of Lynn, Massachusetts submitted his patent for an electric candy spinning machine which is a combination of an electronic starter and a motor-driven rotatable bowl that maintain heating efficiently. By May 1907, he transferred the rights to the General Electric Company of New York. His patent remains today as the basic cotton candy machine. Very few changes since 1907 to the premise of what the cotton candy machine is. (laughs) Joseph Laskow, a dentist from New Orleans, Louisiana, invented a similar cotton candy machine in 1921, and his patent named the Sweet Confection Cotton Candy eventually overtook the name Fairy Floss, although, as we mentioned earlier, it still retains this name in Australia. Now, in the 1970s, an automatic cotton candy machine was created which made the product and packaged it making it easier to produce at carnivals, stalls, and other events requiring more portable production. Brothers. I remember being a kid and... Somebody walking around with this giant stick yes. that had all these bags of at cotton circus, candy on it. And I'd be like, I gotta have it all. And what did you wind up doing at the Opry? You walked around yeah. with a cart that had a giant stick on <laughs> it with a bunch of bags of cotton candy. <laughs> I was sitting in the Barman Bailey Circus when I was four years old thinking, one day. I'm going to be that guy. (laughs) I'll be that guy. (laughs) Do you want to know what the name of the company was that fully manufactured those? Yeah. Tootsie Roll Industries. Whoa. Yes, Tootsie Roll Industries, the world's largest cotton candy manufacturer, produces a bagged fruit-flavored version called Fluffy Stuff. That's the one that you wind up seeing in the store that's in the little plastic package that is like, especially after someone who has made cotton candy and you know that after like a day or two in those bags, it becomes rock hard just because moisture and everything else is introduced to it. I couldn't even begin to bring myself to buy and try any of these because I'm like, I know what happens to this stuff. This been how can here you, for a month. yeah. How can <laughs> you tell me that something yeah. that's been sitting here for that long is still going to be good? Yeah. I can't bring myself field, to do it. Yeah. I'm not supposed to hear thunk whenever <laughs> I, you know, uh, the, the, my cotton candy shouldn't whenever exactly. I, but, uh, one of the, uh, last things that I'm going to, uh, leave you with as far as with cotton candy, okay. um, and we kind of came into this one knowing that it was going to be more personal experiences yeah. and stuff like that as opposed to uh, full-fledged information yeah. because there's not a ton of stuff on, you know, cotton candy. Yeah. But the fact that it is a Tennessee legend, it did get its its mass manufacturing origins in the state of Tennessee. We definitely wanted to include it in this one. But in the United States, there is a day. It is December the 7th. 
the day before my sister Mallory's birthday that is celebrated as National Cotton Candy Day. As it should. I don't know why December the 7th, because the World's Fair would have been definitely before December Yeah. Uh, at that point in time. Um, and cotton candy is more of a summer fall. Yeah. You know, uh, the last Fairs bit of summer right there at the fair and carnivals. Park, stuff like that. That's, that's pretty much it. Beyond that, it's like... I don't get December 7th. Why December 7th for National Cotton Candy Day? Maybe all of the other days with some of the... The more non-traditional. Was taken. <laughs> it was it was uh, national left-handers with yeah. blonde hair and green <laughs> eyes day <laughs> that, that overtook the possibility for National Cotton Candy Day, but I don't know. You know, I think uh, um, my stint with cotton candy, the little bit that I have uh, uh, worked with it, is. Um, it's just the general stickiness and disgusting sugar that cakes up and stuff. But yeah, I always, most of my memories of cotton candy is either the stickiness of its making, the stickiness of eating it, and the stickiness of cleaning it. But, you know, other than that, I mean, if you were a kid, especially... You know, if you if you were an active family like vacations and you go to events like ball games and carnivals and circuses and stuff like that, then every kid has had cotton candy, loves cotton candy. Uh, the one thing that, as I got to an adult, uh, the first very first time, even when I was you know pretty young, that I worked with insulation, helping my dad up in the roof, and and uh, with a leak. My first time really seeing insulation as a kid, I was like, "This looks like cotton candy." The, the forbidden cotton candy. What the heck? And he's like, "Don't eat it." I was like, "Well, I mean, I wasn't gonna eat it because it's been in our attic. And even if it was cotton candy, I wouldn't touch it because it's been in our attic, right? <laughs> Unsealed." <laughs> so, uh, I was I was baffled by the coincidental, the fluffy pink similarness between insulation and cotton candy. But what's weird about that is it's it's uh, glass filaments. Yeah, has glass filaments in it mm-hmm. for and that type of insulation. Has is sugar sh- filaments. Sugar, of course. <laughs> but so yeah, yeah it's, it's now I in my early, very early twenties, like nineteen twenty, mm. maybe even eighteen, so late teens, early twenties, mm. um, because I've been living on my own, quote-unquote, as an adult since graduation. I graduated at 17. I, at one point in time, made a drink called a Purple Bullfrog that I think has been, I don't want to say I was an originator Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, This would have been back in, like, 2000, Mm -hmm. 99, because I graduated in 99, so 2000, 2001, somewhere around in there. Using vodka, um, I think Kool-Aid mix, and uh, uh, just some cotton candy. The cotton candy did nothing but just basically become simple syrup, in a sense. Um, But it was part of it. Mm. 
Yeah, vodka, basically vodka and Kool Aid. Yeah, is what it was. Yeah, um, but it was fantastic, and it used cotton candy. So that was one of my first, I guess you could say, adult experiences beyond being a a manufacturer of of fairy floss. When I was twenty one, I had a bet with a friend of mine named Ashley, and he it was a bet about like a Cowboys game or something, and. He said, if you lose at any time, anywhere, I can ask you to do something embarrassing. You can't say no. I was so confident in this Cowboys game, and and we ended up losing. And so he didn't mention it. I didn't mention it to him, like, well, I lost, so what do I have to do? Months went by, literally almost a year. It was the next summer. Oh, wow. We are at an old Charlie's. He got some Jerry Lee Lewis in him. Yeah, he's got some Jerry Lee in him. We were at an old Charlie's, and we're getting dinner, and he says, when she comes back, you have to very vocally order a cotton candy Cosmo. I went, what? (laughs) (laughs) He said, you have to very vocally, like I want the whole restaurant to know. But Tyler McDaniel is getting a froofy cotton candy Cosmo. I was like, what the hell is a cotton candy Cosmo? He said, look at the drink menu. So I looked at it, and it's literally like it's this pink liquid in a martini drink with a fluff of pink cotton candy as a topper. What was set on top of it to keep it from just... I have no idea. But it's like the way that we would garnish an orange on like a blue moon or something a fluff of pink cotton candy not wispy was (laughs) garnished this very froofy looking drink that she was I said and and, I mean I was like well you know what to be fair he could have made this way worse like oh absolutely this is less embarrassing than I thought he I thought he was gonna like make me like run out run somewhere naked but, so she comes back and she goes, here's your all's drinks, sweet tea. Where I would also like, a, I just shouted it, a cotton candy Cosmo. And it worked to an extent. Like, there were a lot of heads that turned around. And apparently I did kind of have this red face. And she went, okay. Like, she's like, did you have your idea? I was like, I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I quietly said I do. I didn't loudly say I do. And I drank it, and it was like this, it was basically like a sweet martini with cotton candy instead of an olive. This bright, pink, vibrant drink. And I was like, I mean, it doesn't taste fantastic, even though cotton candy's in the in the name. Because I, I, I do enjoy, like, one of my favorite things growing up as a kid um, that I had to get at every gas station when we stopped somewhere was cotton candy uh, bubble yum. It was my favorite bubble yum was cotton candy bubble yum. And you know that might actually be a, a, a good spot to go ahead and finish this one off. Yeah. And then if we are going to create some Patreon yeah. content. Get a little deeper about cotton candy. For this particular episode, we can talk about, and briefly, it yeah. won't be that long, cotton candy flavored things. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Other things that are yes. cotton candy flavored, uh, not candy. Yes. Because there are a lot of candies that are cotton candy flavored. But we're going to be talking about 
other things that cotton are cotton candy flavored not or candy. scented. Not candy. Not candy. Okay. So thank you all for tuning into this regular cut. We are going to end it right here and then go on on to the Patreon side of things. So thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well as Tennessee Legend Distillery, our joyous and gracious sponsor. And that'll be all for us. We'll see you over on Patreon if you're a member. If not, it's not hard to become one. Go to tldstudio66.com and you can follow the instructions there. Stay kind to yourself, stay kind to others, and as always, cheers to you, legends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Between Two Barrels. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. To do so, Search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66 for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts and don't forget to sign up for our newsletter heck you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via speakpipe or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com however you go about it Make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery.